What is up, everybody? This is Tyler. This is Danny. And we're the Fried Squirms. We're here to get stoned, talk about horror movies as per every week. This week, we're up for a little prevenge. Kind of excited to talk about that, see what we each have to say, especially with the expectations going into it. But we'll get to that in a few minutes. As I already said, we're here to get high and talk about horror movies. So we're going to need to get to our green hits. Danny, what is this J that I'm starting to puff on today? No problem. So when I came in, I told you the paper might say sativa, but it's actually a hybrid. So with that being said, I did stop by Flower, picked up a strain we've actually brought over a couple times now. It is horchata. Oh. Yeah, and for those who don't know, it is a 50-50 hybrid. It is created through crossing the delicious mochi gelato and jet fuel gelato strains. Now, it does say that this bud has a sweet and fruity berry flavor with a creamy overtone that has just a touch of light spices. The aroma is a little spicier Mm. with a peppery effect. So it's a spicy cream in my mouth. Yeah, and that's okay. It's accented by sugary, sweet, and berry flavors. So, you know, member berries, they never forget. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the total cannabinoids over at Flower on this strain is like 23.6%. Terpenes come in at about 1.3%. The terpenes that stand out the most in this particular strain are your limonene, pinene, mostly karyophyllene, Followed up by a little bit of uh, myrcene, so not too bad. Hell yeah. I know that it's been a while since I brought this to the show. I know we've done it before, though. Brought you some GMO. Yeah, yeah. Here's one of those things. There's just too many fucking strains these days. And too many cool-sounding things that people want to jump on. So somebody has created a strain just called GMO that's sativa-dominant. This isn't what this is. Because most of the time, GMO is just shorthand for GMO garlic cookies, which is what you get when you cross Girl Scout cookies with ChemDog. That's what this is, which is a, a far more indica-leaning hybrid. A little bit more diesel supposed to be a bit more of a body high, of course, indica, but, you know, there's still variations there, right? Yeah. And for terpenes, this one, mostly limonene, followed by myrcene and pinene, although the pinene and karyophyllene are almost identical. It just barely edges it out. Gotcha. But part of the reason I picked it up is because I know, and we've talked about many times, it doesn't tell the entire story. But this is also testing at 37.3% from Flower, which is already a shop that we trust, even when they're putting out low-percentage THC bud. Absolutely. Just due to good growing, as near as I can figure. So uh, you're saying I might be tripping by the end of the show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. You're going to be falling asleep over there. <laughs> I'm okay with that. <laughs> Sleeping like a little baby. I know, right? Tuck me in. As always, we want to remind people, go check out the Patreon, patreon.com slash fried squirms. For even just a dollar a month, you could have been listening to this last week. Yeah. And you know what? Sometimes I fuck up. I actually put the one up too early this week. <laughs> You got it like three days earlier than normal. No. Get some uh, some mm-hmm. leaks. <laughs> That's right. Uh, spicy details there. I mean, it was just an episode. but <laughs> still cool. It's still cool. <laughs> Middle, you get the Patreon-only episodes, which we'll be, re- be recording wow. the next one of next yeah. week. Going to be looking back on some martyrs. That's going to be interesting. It always is, it seems like. Partially just because of what the movie is, but also because we've already went back to this movie. That's true. And I can't wait to see what else we, we come up, because there's a lot of movie to chew on there. Man, is there? Wow. So that'll be interesting. And then at the top level, access to the Discord. You could be hitting us up, talking about shit. Yeah, correcting our wrongs if there are any. I'm sure there is. We get stoned. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Anyway, patreon.com slash fried squirms. Check that out. And I think it's time for us to get into the guts and bolts of Prevenge. Guts and bolts. All right, guts and bolts of Prevenge. Who and what went into the making of this movie? Spoiler free. Start off with your spoiler free setup for this movie in case you don't know what it's about. Prevenge. A pregnant lady's unborn fetus is telling her to kill people. 
not just anybody, right? Well, I, that maybe starts to get into spoilers a little bit. It's set yeah. up pretty early on, but the way that the info is parceled out, I would say that's arguably spoilers. A little bit, but yeah, <clears throat> we'll leave it to that. But yeah, it's a pregnant lady's out killing people. Yeah, that's the spoiler free <laughs> yeah, setup. Yeah, I mean, exactly. <laughs> that's plain and simple. Cool. So, yeah, from week to week, we do like to talk about our cast and crew. And this week is actually a lady we've we, I don't think we've talked about like in detail, but she was in an episode that we've reviewed in the past. But with that being said, I'm talking about Alice Lowe. Now, not only is she a director, she is the writer on this and she acts as well. So we talked about her way back on episode 98 because she was the radio reporter in Kill List. That was like mm. we probably didn't talk about her much in detail, but. You know, she was technically in that. All right, now she's also directed Solitudo, which is a short, and Time Stalker, which is currently in post-production. I did mention she's a writer. Now, she helped on the television series Beehive and the film Sightseers. All right, we have cinematographer Ryan Edelston. He helped on the films The Fight, Good Posture, and Balance, Not Symmetry. We have editor Matteo Bini. He's known for the films Pistorius, Wildfire, and Pele. All right, the music was composed by the band Toy Drum. They're composed of Pablo Clements and James Griffith, and they're known for the films Montana. They're also known for this is oh, England, shit. yeah, <laughs> this is England 1990, which is a television series. They're also known for Detour, the television series Three Pines, and the television show Slow Horses, both from 2022. All right, special effects was done by Colin J. Smith. He actually helped on the segment C, which was for the ABCs of Death Part Two. He also helped on Tank 432, the film Native, and the film Fractured. All right, uh, producers on this were Jennifer Handorf, Will Kane, and Von Seville. Production companies were Gennaker and Western Edge Pictures. The distributors on this were Kaleidoscope Film Distribution. They helped with the 2016 United Kingdom theatrical release and RLJE Films. They helped for the United States theatrical release back in 2016. And Shutter featured this back in 2017 for their streaming service. All right, release dates May 15th, 2016 at the Cannes Film Festival in France and February 10th, 2017 along United Kingdom. All right, budget on this was about 80,000 pounds. It grossed about 100,000. The tagline on this is killing for two. I, that's not bad. Not, not too shabby. Not too shabby. Not the worst, of course. All right. Now, moving into the cast, I did mention Alice Lowe. She stars as Ruth. A few films of note from her. She's got some really cool credits. She was in Hot Fuzz. She was in Sightseers, The World's End. She was also in Paddington. I noticed that she was in Garth Marenghi's Dark Place, which I've had yep. recommended to me a number of times, and I still need to get to one of these days. She was also, I think, in an episode of The Mighty Boosh, so she's been in that. Which I know I've seen that episode, but I can't think of. Yeah, she's got some really cool stuff. So she was in the film Awe, Stoner Express. She was in Black Mirror Bandersnatch, which I still haven't seen. She was also in the film... That's like the choose-your-own one, right? Yeah. Yeah, which is really neat. She was also in uh, Paul Dude's Deadly Lunch Break and, of course, various television shows. All right, we have Mark Besant. He plays the role of Matt. A few things of note from him. He was in The Day That Broke, Fear the Invisible, which is in post-production, and God's Spy, which is also in post-production. All right, we have Joe Hartley. She is the midwife. A few things of note from her. She was in Dead Man's Shoes. She was also in This Is England, which is the film. She was also like in all the television shows that kind of spawned off of that. But she played the role of synth. All right. She was also in Eddie the Eagle. She was also a part of David Brent, Life on the Road. She was in the film Slaughterhouse Rolls and Afterlife, the television show from 2019 through 22. And I believe she she was like the wife of mm. the character in okay. that show, if I'm mistaken. And let's not forget, David Brent is the Michael Scott character in the original Office. Yeah, that's pretty funny, isn't it? Thinking as Ricky Gervais. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah, David Brent and Afterlife are both of his shows. Yeah. So, there you go. All right, we have Gemma Whalen. She plays the role of Len. Yara Greyjoy. I know. Right? It's really cool. She was in the film The Wolfman way back in the day. She was also in Gulliver's Travels. You just mentioned it, but she was also in Game of Thrones from 2012 through 2019 as Yara Greyjoy, as you mentioned. And she was also in the film Emma. All right. We have Kate Dickey person we've talked about several times before mm-hmm. we talked about her way back on episode 56 when we talked about the witch in new england folktale 
She was also part of Game of Thrones. Well, she's in the Northman. Yep. Green Knight. Yeah, Green Knight. I didn't pull up her shit, but those are just a few things off the top of my head. <laughs> All right, so moving forward, we've got Kevin Novak plays the role of Tom. Hmm, interesting, right? Kevin Novak of... Nandor. Nandor, <laughs> the Relentless. God, he's so what good. we do in the shadows. Now, okay, I don't want this to sound too much like the fucking... How did this make you squeal? I don't want to sound like I'm passing too much judgment on this movie, but this movie is billed very heavily as a dark comedy. Kevin Novak is in Four Lions, which is the superior dark comedy. That's awesome. Nothing against this film. No, but I get it. But Four Lions is a fucking masterpiece. That's awesome. And if you've never heard of Four Lions... It's a good promotion right now. (laughs) It's about a group of radicalized British Muslim men who are trying to become suicide bombers. The premise alone. And it's superb. It's, it's fucking brilliant. Weirdly, not the funniest thing you'll ever see. It's superb in the way that it's able to so deftly handle that heavy of a topic. Yeah, for sure. And fraught of a topic and doing so in my opinion, Pretty much, like, completely avoiding, like, Islamophobic type shit. That's cool. I'm not necessarily a expert at that shit, but when right. I watched it, nothing really stood out to me, so. Okay. I hard to complain. Mm-hmm. All right. A few other things of note from K-Van. He was in uh, Syriana. He was in the television show Phone Jacker from uh, 2007 through 2008. You already mentioned he was in Four Lions. He was also in Face Jacker, which is a television show from 2010 through 2012. A lot of jacking. I know, right? He was in Paddington. He was also in Men in Black International and the film Cruella. All right, we've got Tom Davis plays the role of DJ Dan. A few things of note from him. He was in Outside Bet, Free Fire, Murder in Successville, which is a television show from 2015 through 2017. He's also in uh, Paddington Part 2. He was in Plebs, which is a television show from 2014 through 18. He's also a writer. He's a producer. He's a stand-up comedian. So he's got his hands on all kinds of cool stuff. I really like Plebs. Uh, really funny show. I have watched that. And I haven't seen Murder in Successville yet, but they did a remake of it. Oh, neat. Kind of like an American remake for Netflix, and it was just called Murderville. Oh, yeah. And it's got Will Arnett basically oh, in his role. That's neat. All right. Let's see. We've got a few other people, and then I'll kind of run out of cast and crew. We've got Dan Renton Skinner. He plays the role of Mr. Jabek. A few things of note from him. He was in Shooting Stars, which is a TV show from 2009 through 2011. He was also in House of Fools, another television show from 2014 through 15. He was in High Rise, the movie, and The Ghoul. I want to see High Rise. I still haven't seen High Rise. I've heard some good things. Yeah, me too. All right, we've got Mike Wozniak. He plays the role of Josh. A few things of note from him. He was in Mr. Bean's Funeral. Okay. He was in Drunk History, which is the UK version. Uh, it was from 2015 through 17. He was also in the TV show Man Down from 2013 through 17. And We Are Not Alone, which is a movie. All right, we've got Tom Mateen. He was Zach in this film. He was a part of the Mighty Boosh show from mm-hmm. 2005 through 2007, just for a few episodes. He was in the film Burke and Hare. He was also in Weekender, Sightseers, Noel Fielding's Luxury Comedy, which was a television show from 2012 through 14. He was also in Paddington, the film Ah, Tank 432, The Ghoul, and Paul Dude's Deadly Lunch Break. All right. We've got Eileen Davies. She plays the role of Jill. A few things of note from her, she was in Where Angels Fear to Tread. She was in Vera Drake, Bright Stars, Sightseers, The Theory of Everything. She was also in High Rise, Coronation Street, and Willow, which both of those oh, are television sure. shows. Yeah, it's really neat. And last but not least, we've got Della Moon Sinat. She is actually the baby in this film. Okay. She didn't voice the baby, but she's the actual baby. The other credit, which is kind of funny, she was in Blood's television show in 2021. What? Yeah, so... A little trivia, that is actually Alice Lowe's real baby. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah, that rounds out our cast and crew. We gave you a brief setup to give you some warnings. Like, as far as action-wise and what you're going to see, it's basically a slasher. So it's going to be that kind of violence, that kind of blood, a little bit of gore, not a ton, but but there is some. One of the shots of gore is strangely lingered on for a minute, so, like, it's definitely not not there. Right, I agree again. 
And it doesn't look bad, I guess. At least yeah, the one I'm thinking of. It's decent. What, language? Language. Yeah, I mean, really no nudity, per se. A, a little bit. You see your nipples a couple times. Yeah, it's like, you know, but yeah, technically, yeah. That's about all I can think of. Yeah, it's like, it's, it's, it's not too heavy. No, no. I guess with that, we're going to get into and find out how Prevenge made us squeal. How does that make you squeal? All right, Danny. Prevenge. Technically fits into our theme. It does. It's not necessarily apparent with the way the movie plays out. Like I kind of already alluded to, the movie kind of just plays out as a serial killer slasher movie. Yeah, and it's hard to disagree with that. It's technically a revenge story. Yeah. I mean, it has it in its name. Yes. So... If nothing else on technicalities, we get away with it. <laughs> so <laughs> I agree. Um, all right. So how did it make us squeal? All right. So I'd never seen this prior to us reviewing it. Right. Right. Same. And it's one that's been on the radar for a while because it's we've already mentioned it. It was on Shutter, and it's been on there for a while since at least 2017. So. You know, we've both seen people talking it up online. Right. And I've seen it, like you said, just in various platforms, whether it's Instagram or if I've seen it on like a Facebook group or whatever. I mean, and honestly, even when you even when you go on the Wikipedia, you go to reception and it's like receive positive reviews for critics for a splendid black comedy and horror. Hold certified fresh rating 91 percent on Rotten Tomatoes. As ambitious as it is daringly transgressive, Prevenge should thrill fans of pitch-black horror comedy and open untold opportunities for writer-director star Alice Lowe. Yeah, so with all that being said, first time I watched it through, I was like, I was like, okay, you know. And that's that's just it. It's like the first time for me it's not analyzing the film. Typically mm-hmm. it's more just like initial impression, like how did it make me feel? And I'm like, okay. It's uh, fine. Yeah, that's kind of, I was like, it, you know, it was all right. And then the second time through, which was this morning today, I watched it and I thought a, a little bit more about the British comedy, like the dark humor, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of stuff. And I'm not saying that this is, a, it's not a bad film at all, because it's not, I don't think it's a great film, but I think it's somewhere in between. Like, I think it's a really good film and it has kind of a unique flair, if you want to call it a slash, you know, like in the mm-hmm. slasher realm, because you're using a pregnant woman as like the catalyst for these murders being the, the murderer, not just, yeah. you know, being the, the victim in this case. Yeah. I kind of come down on it's good. Yeah. Like I said, it, I, there's nothing, I don't think there's anything significantly wrong with it. It's like, I would say there's even one or two moments of brilliance. Yeah. It's not the greatest. No, I, we've seen at this point, we've seen a lot better. I mean, there's in my opinion, let's put it that way in my opinion. And I kind of already sucked its dick once on this episode, but if you take, like, transgressive, pitch-black comedy from that positive review for this, yeah, Four Lions does it better. It's not a horror, but... Right, but in terms of that style, mm-hmm. dark comedy, etc. Yeah, like I'm saying, there's be- there are better examples, but here's where I look at it is... I do feel like second time through, I caught more of the comedy... I think so as well. I think the comedy and maybe, which f- even felt kind of weird because I like I've I've always dug on British comedy anyway. Like, yeah, like kind of like I don't have to necessarily like switch my brain over. Like it's already there. No, I think it's just picking up on the little subtleties they mm-hmm. they do. You know, something that I, I thought of more this time, like the second time through, was a few things. I, I and this is kind of like knowing. Now, the background, like how all this started and the whole reason why she wrote it and et cetera, et cetera. So she had done a film in like five days with, I think she said Ron Edelson, which is the the DP on this film, right? Okay. And she was offered a role as a director. So she pitched, you know, the idea for this and it, it took her like three and a half days to write it. But most of it because at that time, you know, she's pregnant and she really died. quickly, yeah, I want to. Yeah, no, I want to coast in. I kind of feel like this movie slightly coasts off of the how strong its premise is. Oh no doubt, and I think that's what lends its hand to kind of what 
what transpired to get this film off the ground in the first mm-hmm. place is like, it was, is a insanely strong premise. No doubt. She being Alice, that is, you know, she's pregnant and typically women at this, you know, certain stage in your pregnancy, you don't get a lot of work. I mean, that's just, it's just the nature of the beast, you know? And I she mean, was at a certain stage. You probably shouldn't be doing right. And I totally agree too. You know, he's like, no, you need your time to, you know, prepare and then post, mm-hmm. you know, take care of, of the baby. But she was also thinking about the roles of women in film and how, and this is coming from her, so I can't, you know, speak, but I, I understand where she's coming from. She's like, when you think of somebody like Travis Bickle and taxi driver, she's like, you're not thinking about all taxi drivers being like this character. Right. You're thinking about Travis Bickle. Right. And she's like, Typically, with female characters, they kind of speak for all women, and, mm. you know, and in certain, I guess, you know, aspects or regards or whatnot. And she's like, she wanted people to look at it like this is just this woman who's dealing with these events. She doesn't speak for all women who are pregnant. Right. You know, and then there's some clever lines in this film that kind of tie things together, if you will. Which is, I think it's neat, it's clever, and, you know, it's kind of in that English or maybe even just United mm-hmm. Kingdom sense of comedy. It fits the bill, but like I said, it's not the greatest example, but for someone who wrote it in three and a half days, they it, literally, this is what it says, it wrote, she wrote, produced, cast, and filmed this in 11 days before her baby arrived. Eight days in principal photography and the other three were in post. See, that's an accomplishment. That makes me appreciate this movie more, and that's even what if I it doesn't it more. Even if it doesn't make it more exciting to actually watch. Precisely, and that's the same thing. It's like it might not have been the best effort, but given the circumstances, I'm like, that's pretty. In impressive, some ways, dude. this movie's a miracle. Yeah, in that case. it's like it's pretty fucking impressive. So that was I. I can give it a little bit more leeway in terms of how I'm, I think about you know the execution, which I don't think there's anything wrong with execution. No, no. Once again, it's more that nothing stands out. Right. There's certain things I, like I learned that makes the film more interesting, like for instance, and it shouldn't be a big surprise, is she's watching an old like 1934 film, and it's called Crime Without Passion, and the women that she sees mm-hmm. in those, char- are those characters are they're the Greek Furies, the three Greek Furies. Oh, okay. That makes sense. And it's sense. like, oh, so if you think about it in that regard, it's more of a metaphor for, like, rage, mm-hmm. you know, and in, in this case, to revenge. So, and she says it a couple of times, you know, she's like, she says something like she's stating, and you're like, stating what? She's like, no, it's like, she's... <laughs> This is what she's stating. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is her revenge. But anyhow, you know, thinking about it in that sense, it's like, okay, it makes the, the film make a little bit more sense of who this character is. I mean, just a lot of the beginning makes more sense after you've seen it with the different yeah, shots precisely. from, like, the accident. And exactly. Yeah, because then you've already seen it, so now it makes more sense as you see it again. There is one thing where I'm wondering if we... It just seems weird. So, like, we we see her dude, his fucking skull bashed open after the accident (laughs) far later in the movie, right? Yeah. But we know that they're all wearing helmets, or at least should have been. But in that opening shot where she's just sort of, like, sitting out in the garden, like, sad about everything, and, like, the the water starts dripping down onto her fucking pregnant belly and all that shit. Uh, Obviously a symbol of sorrow and shit. Yeah, I mean, I would hope at that point. Like, there's a climbing helmet hung up on the wall just to her right. And I'm like, motherfucker should have just been wearing the helmet. See, those are like the little details. I have a feeling they also wouldn't have allowed him onto the climb if he wouldn't have been wearing a helmet. So Yeah, and so, you know, that's where the the blame starts to come in place. Like, who's responsible? Like, well, you know, both parties, but it's beside the point at this point. She's going after these people. Right. First dude's the fucking... He's a reptile, reptile place. Yeah, exactly. So she's basically saying that she's looking for a pet for her, but her kid. And the guy's trying to sell her an idea of all these different reptiles. And in the midst of him bending over to, to look at one of his treasures, if you will, mm-hmm. he slices his neck. I thought the scene was funny because of, like, all the fucking double entendres and shit that he's throwing yeah. out there. Yeah, yeah, But it also felt kind of disjointed because... 
I get that there's people out there that will both kind of be creeping up on someone while also being like the biggest fucking jerk in the world because they're oblivious of how they're being a big fucking jerk. Mm -hmm. But it felt weird how he was both trying to creep on her and being a giant jerk in the fucking world. And he was kind of leaning into both. Yeah. And it makes me wonder too, like in instances perhaps like that, if it's more of a just exaggeration from the right. character's point of view. And I didn't dislike it, but no, I was but like, I, you're saying. I was still, I, I thought it was pretty funny overall. All right. I'll say this <laughs> first time around, my dumbass was like, Oh yeah, maybe she does have a kid. Yeah. Cause I didn't know who this character was. Right. You know? And then I was like, Oh no, she's lying. You know, of course, after the fact, you're like, Oh, she was lying. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, Nope. No, she got me. But yeah, that was the only time she got me in this film. That's true. I didn't think I thought that the first time through, too, because we don't know enough about the character. But yeah, because it's like, why is she even in this pet store? You know, mm -hmm. trying to figure out, fill in the blanks. But you're right. All right. So that's her first victim. Then she sets out for DJ Dan. Before that, I want to point out that, like, the second time I was going through, knowing what you know by the end, I was like, where's the first, like, real break where we can infer that it's not the fucking baby? Oh, yeah. Yeah, good point. Where she's not the fucking son of Sam hearing it from a fucking the <laughs> yeah. dog, right? Yeah. And there's that bit in between where she's laying down and her fucking neighbors are banging it out. And the baby's just like, that's how I was made. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, bitch, you wouldn't have that memory then. No, there's no way you know that. <laughs> like, yeah, no, no. And no. so I think that's the first crack where you're like, oh, this is her. Yeah, which is clever. Like I so said, that's kind of the clever bit is if you're really paying attention. Yeah, there's those little fine details. It's so like for there's it, other things later on anyway. Yeah. But I was wondering what where the earliest little bit might be. Even the way that the midwife, it might be one of the first times we're introduced to her where she's telling Alice or Ruth that the baby is basically in control now. It's like she is the one who's in, mm -hmm. you know, and so she starts to. Probably mentally, she's starting to lean more into that, like, oh, it is the baby. Which is really fucking fun. So here's a little just weird side note, because I watched this and then was hanging out with my girlfriend. We were watching some TV and shit. One of the first things we put on was uh, there's this comedy series on Hulu called This Fool with uh, Frankie, Frankie Quinones. And there's an episode where, like, Cause he's like a reformed felon and shit. He got out and his brother's taken him or not his brother, his cousin's taken him through this, uh, hugs, not thugs program and shit, <laughs> community funny. outreach program <laughs> and all this funny. shit. And he's trying to like reach out to people that he wronged and like make it right. You know, kind of like fucking AA or something. I was going to say my name is Earl. Yeah. And he, <laughs> this episode starts with him reaching out to this guy and the guy, him, the guy he reached out to, had fucking reformed himself, but did it all fucking Jesus-y. And he's he's just like, no, dude, it's okay. Like, you don't have to say sorry to me because I know it wasn't you. It was the devil making you do it. That's funny. And he convinces of him of that. And so the rest of the episode, he, he's just like, oh, shit, I don't need to go, like, say sorry to anybody. It was the devil made me do it. It was the devil, bro. That's funny. And so, like, I just watched this, and it went over to that, and I started laughing at myself because I'm like, it's the same fucking thing. It really is. It's, um... God told me to. Mm -hmm. That kind yeah. of stuff. It kind of is, right? And it, yeah, I mean, in those terms, yeah, I mean, in simple terms, yeah, for sure. You can say because you're because it, yeah, it's like no matter where the the mental break is coming from, it's you just giving yourself permission. Yeah, precisely. Whether it's from actual fucking religious fervor to. A mental break to whatever yeah, it's still exactly. just a version of you giving yourself permission yeah it's exactly like buying into a concept like she says with the baby manual she's like <laughs> almost taking it as like gospel in a sense mm -hmm. you know the baby manual says this and that's like well you know that's it's not a you know just like a broad stroke it's it, it's not a generalization per se it's you know it's uh individual basis 
not that I needed it, but I will say that her neighbors banging it out in the next room over, that was some extremely rough banging for there to be no other noise. <laughs> yeah, no, no moans, right. no nothing. Just no. wham, wham, wham. I mean, you know, some people are into some kinky shit, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. What, what we don't know is that the downstairs of Martyrs is happening next Oh, my gosh. Just right downstairs. <laughs> yeah, no, right. Goddamn. She thinks she's hearing one thing. No. Nope. <laughs> it's a good fucking horror movie all its own, but. Yeah, precisely. 70s Night. <laughs> Dude, 70s Night had some, I think, had some of the best comedy. Oh, there were some funny moments in this. It had. All around. In my opinion, it had the best moment of the movie, hands down. Yeah, I think you could say that. And I, um, I, I hate to speculate because I don't know exactly where you're going, but I, I have a feeling of thinking of where you're going. Because she goes to go pick up DJ Dan. <laughs> yeah, and she That does. shit was funny it's, already. Their interactions he, are just so bizarre. <laughs> he's so fucking clueless in the way he comes off and thinks he's just some fucking macho. Yeah, just some kind of cool dude. DJ Dan. Yeah, it's hip. There's nobody out there. <laughs> and he fucking plays it perfectly. <laughs> he really does. And yeah, even with her coming on to him, he's like, yeah, I don't drink on Tuesdays. I'm DJing. <laughs> I gotta have a clear mind. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then even when he gets the drinks, he's like, I'm also going to get drinks for them because I'm not, I'm not going to put all my well, eggs in one basket. Right. You're like, this fucking fool. <laughs> so he eventually, wait, there's also a moment too I thought was kind of, it's, it's funny and probably more in that English sense where she oh, fakes, yeah. takes a shot and dude's right behind her. You're like, this fucking guy. He's like, I'm, so, I'm sorry. He's like, what did I do? <laughs> you know, so, uh, yeah, you're right. Eventually, they take it back to his place, but they well, have first, that cab ride, that taxi ride. Okay, where I'm going to get to first, I think, is maybe the best moment in the movie. Okay. Um, just because I think it's the best, I think it's the best actual blend of mm-hmm. the comedy and the sort of tragedy that's underlying the horror through the rest of the movie. And like they're out on the dance floor and they're cutting rug and shit. And then it cuts. <laughs> they, you see them doing a bunch of different dances and then it cuts to them all up on each other in kind of a slow dance. Yeah. And he's fucking digging down, trying to get his fingers up her fucking ass. And it oh, suddenly yeah. has the wig back on and just this fucking goofy expression on his <laughs> face and shit which is immediately after the cut from all the rest of those is funny that like he's got the wig back on and you're just like, Oh shit. But then the (laughs) camera continues to spin around and you see her face pressed up against the shoulder and she's fucking crying. Yeah. No, that's, that's a very telling story of what's happening with her as a character. The moment like him being so fucking unaware of the whole Mm -hmm. situation. Like, yeah, no dude, you're, you're not going to be around for much longer. <laughs> yeah, I think it's the best moment in the movie and caps off that sequence wonderfully yeah, going no, into really the cab one. ride. Oh my gosh, that alone is like, it's cringe. Oh, it's so fucking cringe. It's funny because it's like, ugh. Yeah, he's like, he throws up, not that he just throws up, he throws up in his fucking wig <laughs> and then goes back to kissing her and shit. You're like, ugh. <laughs> it's like, I don't know why that turned me on being sick. <laughs> You're like, what the fuck, bro? <laughs> yeah, his moments are, but that's the whole point. Is like he, you know, these characters for the most part, or these actors, I should say, are like improvising a lot because mm-hmm. they've all, for the most part, have like comedic and improvised uh, background. So it's it's pretty funny seeing them in these roles. And then it all just continues back at his place, too. Yeah, just it, awkwardness, and then... It just keeps rolling, but she's finally starting to throw it back at him. Yeah, which is good, because they, he throws some lyrics at her to a song, and then she throws it back. She gets into it. She keeps breaking the mood by asking him super serious questions. Yeah, especially with, like, kids and stuff. But, oh, my God. <laughs> I probably lost it. <laughs> I probably lost it fucking way harder than I should have with the something moved down there. That's not right. <laughs> yeah, no, like, I'm like, what did it fucking grab you, bro? Like, are you pregnant? <laughs> it's like, are you just now aware of this situation? 
Oh my god. Well, remember before he was like, Oh, I fucking love fat broads. You don't care what I do to you, do you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he does say that shit. You're right. And Ma and Mom pops out. Too. That is hilarious. It's just like very situational. Like all oh. these awkward moments and they lead to more awkward moments. Like like you were just saying, the mom walking in. <laughs> that's another that's maybe the number the end of this scene is maybe the number yeah. two darkly comedic moment for me in the movie. Where after everything goes down, she puts mom back to the bed. Yeah, that's I, that's where I thought you were going to go with. I think moment. that's also yeah. amazing, but that's probably number two for me. No, I think that's a good point as well. Yeah, given the scenario and the situation, yeah. Like I said, for being overall meh about this movie, there's a couple really high no, moments, I, and I, I think it's totally, mostly this sequence. Yeah, and that shows like the cleverness and like the brilliance that she does have, you know. And, mm-hmm. Knowing too that this is her debut as a director. I was about to say it's all there. It exactly, just needs to be exactly, exactly, and that's okay. We we talked about Wes Craven's first film. It's like this is on, better dude. than Wes Craven's yeah. first film. And we know we all know where what we we would hope <laughs> most people would know how Wes Craven's career panned out mm-hmm. from that point forward. So if this is any indicator, she has a very promising career as a director. So with that being said, DJ Dan and her finally start to like quote-unquote, hook up. And, uh, yeah, she gets them. She gets them. Does she get Frank or does she get one of the beans? I think she gets the beans. I think she gets a bean, too. The first time I thought she got Frank. I did as well, but I think it's the beans. Which you don't see that as often. No. You usually see Frank get got. Right, and I think that's maybe the, uh, I don't know, maybe the clever point, because that's where the sperm is as well. So Mm -hmm. get rid of the bags. (laughs) He doesn't want to have kids. There you go. Shit, that guy doesn't need to be procreating anyway. Yeah. Oh my God, no. He knows. I mean, he had it right in in terms of like he shouldn't. It's just his reasonings are mm-hmm. all fucked up. But yeah, he gets mutilated, and then that's when, once again, the mom comes back out. She's like, "You gonna need to be at a bleach for that." That was fucking great. <laughs> that was fucking great. What I thought was neat too. And this is why I thought it was clever as well. Is the first time that his mom pops out, she introduces herself as Paula. Mm-hmm. And he's like, "Oh, I didn't know your name was Paula." Said, you know, and then oh, she says another name. What does she right. say? Then the mom calls when she gets in the room. She's like, "Oh, Michelle, you need to leave mm-hmm. Danny. He's not good for you. You know, you're too good for him." And then she tells her, "Like, no, my name's Ruth." So it's like three different name swaps because a she does know his mom has probably dementia and you know mm-hmm. whatever Alzheimer's all that stuff. But I was just like, man, that's kind of touching that she you know she did reveal herself. It's like. Uh, it's Ruth. And I'm going to be kind to you because he obviously wasn't. Precisely. And that's why I was like, yeah, that's kind of a... And that's... It, like, it's dark comedy. It's a touching moment, too, because she's being kind, even though mm-hmm. she just fucking killed homeboy. So so you have, the, like, all these mixed things going on, which yeah, I think was, was really good. clever. Yeah. So, all right, that's, uh, that's DJ Dan... Next one is Ella, who is Kate Dickey. Kate Dickey. I was yeah. Like, Kate Dickey's is really good. Maybe the best yeah. overall kill, just like style wise. Yeah, it is very stylistic. I mean, the, the whole like, thing. Like, there's a is, reason the feed is celebrating afterwards. Yeah. I, it's, it's pretty wild, man. Um, she goes in for an interview, right? And it's like in this very cold, kind of steel feeling boardroom, you mm-hmm. know, like meeting room, whatever. They're both on opposite ends of the table, which is also telling, I think, in that scene, you know. But the whole point, I think, in my opinion, too, I think the way it plays out is Ella, she's just she's very corporate. She's, you know, probably very narcissistic. She's having to turn her down for the job. Yes. And the way she's doing, she just keeps like. But it's obvious that it's only because she's pregnant, but she can't say that directly Mm because it's probably illegal there like it is here. Right. And it makes me wonder, too, if she was like an HR person. Right. In that role. You know, and that's there's also like, you know, stereotypes that go along with certain positions like Mm -hmm. that. So, you know, I'm, I'm sure it was something like that. I think it's pretty wonderfully acted on both of their parts. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, and, and, and the switch maybe at a Kate point. Dickey a little bit more just because all Ruth She's, has to do or uh, Alice, Alice Lowe Brian. is sort of keep stern because it's Dickey that then has to like <laughs> play kind of all over the map oh, man, where she's I getting know. awkward because she doesn't know how to react to this yes. and where then she has to like fall back into her role and reiterate yes. like that this is kind of how it's going to go down and then like kind of 
it's like a posturing thing too. It's mm-hmm. like it's very like a platonic thing, like a very business, you know, interaction. Then it becomes kind of awkward, like you're saying, because it's like oh, I'm trying to find this space where I don't feel. Where I don't feel like I'm the bad guy. Where right, we don't, I don't feel wanna... like we're having a good time. Yes, like we're trying to meet somewhere in the middle. And then there's like these barbs at the exchange between each other. Mm-hmm. And then that's where you feel like they're, they're kind of button heads a little bit. And one's trying to overpower the other one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think it's like that's kind of cle- like neat in the way that they're writing that between those two characters. Because you see that kind of like that power dynamic at play at a certain point. And then just a total dismissal. Uh, Kate Dickey's hair was distracting to me, though. I don't know if I've ever seen her with her hair down in any of her other roles. Yeah, because yeah, she, she does look a lot different. Because you, you're right, she normally has it pulled up. And just her interactions, too, were really interesting. It's like, mm-hmm. you're not a Virgo. Ah. But then, like, at the end, like, comes up, gives, yeah. like, the kiss of death. Slices, well, she bangs oh, her yeah, head. bangs her head. Then pulls her back, slices her neck, and just lets her bleed out on the table. It's a good fucking slasher kill. It really is. It's cold. It almost it almost has a little bit of like an American psycho feel. A little bit. Absolutely. A little bit. But yeah, it was, it was pretty good. So that was her third kill. Her next kill actually involves two people. Right, right. Um, I didn't write down their names. I just wrote down that it's it's Josh. Yeah, Josh is the good guy, and Zach is his roommate. Who she's that? I think that's her intention. This guy's a byproduct. In between, though, is the first time she goes to see Kevin Novak. Yes, you're right. You're right. Which is kind of a weird scene when you don't quite know the entire story yet. I'd say even first time through, you're starting to piece it together, but it's. The way she approaches him and shit is still fucking weird. It's awkward, yeah. And I, I honestly kind of don't like the writing in that scene. I rewound it like three times and rewatched it, and like I get what they're getting at, but it right. all feels kind of weirdly worded and shit. And it's uh, unclear yeah. when when the different times she's referring to is. And, and that's that's the thing too is like you wonder in, in this case, you know, like I said, knowing all the the shit after the fact is if she had a little bit more time to flesh out things. The flow could have been a little different, but once again, this w- it wouldn't be the same film. So, not that he has to, but I really wish this film would have played more to K. Van's comedic strengths. Oh, yeah, because he's a he's very, fine dramatic actor, but, right? But no, it, like his his powers, if you will, are in comedy, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, shit. If you don't right. know, you need to find out. And I mean, this is already sp- trying to be a dark comedy, so yeah. let it f- let him flow back and forth a little bit more. Yeah, he doesn't really get a chance to do that in in this character he's playing. No, I almost wish he would have been Len. Yeah. Oh shit. Yeah, he would have been a good Len. I and I think Gemma Whalen would have been a good whatever his character's name is. Yeah, Tom. Yeah. You know. Tina. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> Doesn't matter to me. Yeah. But I think she would have been great Lenny. in that role. Lenny. Mm-hmm. I think she dr- does drama just a little bit better than he does. And I think he does that's, comedy just a little bit better than she does. That's a solid point. And just off the Not that either of them can't do both, no, but... Yeah, we're not saying that. I'm, I know neither one of us are saying that. It's just, from what I've seen from both of their, their credits, just in my limited... Mm-hmm. I would concur. Like, it seems like he has a, a little bit better panache for comedy, and she has a little bit flair for the, the dramatics. Still, okay, I don't want to completely skip the two other guys, but no, I no, did no, no, enjoy no. seeing Gemma Whalen as Lynn. I thought that scene was pretty good. No, it, it really is good. It's it's dark, and, it, like, the exchange is good. The, the, the thing I got out of, out of the Josh and his roommate, Zach... Josh was genuinely charming. I liked all that. That was a really good, almost like fucking British rom-com meet cute. And I think that's some of that, you know, like probably TV work and stuff like that kind of stuff. But then there's a moment to where she's like, okay, I need to put things back into perspective. Like I'm losing kind of focus here Mm because this guy's charming the shit out of me, (laughs) you know? And then, yeah, it makes her sick a little bit because she likes it because she is losing that focus. And then his roommate comes in because she's making it out to be like she's looking for a flat or yeah. to become a roommate, a potential roommate. Yeah, and then she sees that guy, Zach. I think he recognizes her. She attacks him, stabs him in the eye, 
kills him, and you get to see that bit. Mm-hmm. And then we don't well, yeah, see her kill Josh. That kill makes a lot more sense in hindsight because what he's yelling is, it wasn't me. Yeah. So you're like, ooh. Like I said, he knew who she was mm-hmm. as soon as he saw her, but you're right. That's very telling. And then Josh, because he is a witness, unfortunately for him, he had to go. We don't see that, but we know that. Mm-hmm. So, yes. And then going back into Lynn, she's posing... Ruth, that is. She's posing as like a charity worker for children, a children's yeah. charity worker. And then even when she gets turned down, uses her pregnancy to get inside to go use the bathroom. Yeah. Which she probably did have to use anyway. Yeah. And I, I mean, like the like the little exchanges back and forth. She's like, at this point, it's like every 11th house. Like, <laughs> it seems like he's like, she's just making this shit up. Mm-hmm. But it's good because it's believable. But that, when she fucking turns the corner and she's in the fucking boxing gloves, I lost it just as much as she did. I know, you're like, like, really? Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> well, the thing she says, too, she's like, something to the effect about, she's like, do you believe, you know, charity workers out here are going to, you know, stab you up? She's like, well, you never know. <laughs> you know, but that's like, that's kind of the clever comedy, too. And I wonder how much that's more of like British comedy, too, or... It's like, maybe that's people pose and do that shit. Why were the coppers there so quick? Did Len get a call out? Did Were they already on her she, fucking case for some reason? She mentioned, Len did, she mentioned that she made the phone call. Oh, okay. When she rounded the corner. That's right. And there was right. that little okay. break. She's like, I, I called couldn't the cops. Remember. I couldn't remember yeah. if she mentioned it or not. But that, you're right. It was still fast. Funny, though, you get the, the fallout from the setup from way earlier. Uh, with the midwife and the sirens make her start lactating. I know you're right because she, like I said, there are, there are moments that the midwife says things that come back to fruition in that way. Mm-hmm. You know, but you're right. She's like, "Holy shit!" <laughs> it's funny. And of course, she has to fucking Winnie the Pooh through the doggy door. Yeah, well, the way she gets Lund's pretty interesting too. Oh right, because she gets hit in the stomach. So, like she gets hit with a few jabs. You're like, damn, she gets her ass kicked. And then, yeah, Lynn hits her in the stomach, and she's like, my baby. And she bends over, and Lynn's apologizing, and then she gets stabbed in the guts. Mm-hmm. And as she's falling, she's, she's telling her. She's giving them like, the breathing exercises like, for pain. <laughs> that was a little bit over. I That one I would have laughed at more if it would have been a little bit more set up. But yeah, that was just like, okay, I get it. I, I've been seeing this entire movie. Like, you're yeah, it, I think, too, not only the comedy, but just like, that's fucked up to be telling somebody as they're mm-hmm. dying. <laughs> you know, it's like, that's pretty menacing. But yes, then you have, she has to go out the dog door, the trap. She gets out, and then, like you said, she's a fucking mess mm-hmm. in the streets. But she makes it back. And then at this point, she goes to, like, a yoga class somewhere in the midst of all that stuff, right? And she's in the midst of doing, like, this once again, laying on her back, doing like this breathing exercise, and all these memories start to flutter about her, her partner, about his death, and then also the recent turn of events that she's been mm-hmm. involved in, and then she lets out this this cry, you know, this is, scream. Is during that that we see his fucked up head from the? Yeah. Okay. I think mean, yeah, that's the, that's the point where she lets out that scream after right. you see that, after we see that. Yeah, and. That was fucking good. That looked good, bro. I did. I thought that was really good. Let's see here. Oh, yeah, that's also where we see who actually cut the rope, or who's at the end of that rope making the cut, oh. which is Tom, which mm-hmm. is Caven's character. So, yeah, that led to her partner's death. All right, so we get this really neat like Halloween scene right after that where she's going out. That was cool. I was going to ask if you thought that some of that was done guerrilla style. Oh, but yes. after finding out about the time frame of the shooting, it was 100% done guerrilla style. They even make mention. I, I didn't read too much into it um, just because of time. But it sounded like when she was out filming that sequence, people were kind of like approaching her. Mm-hmm. But she didn't make mention that in that tunnel sequence where she's walking through and having her little meltdown moment, whatever, that guy that passes in the like... Skeleton. Yeah, the skeleton thing. Yeah, he was like just a random ass dude. And she's like, oh, I need him in my shoot. Because they actually passed him in that tunnel. Mm, okay. And, you know, they signed a waiver for him mm-hmm. and all that stuff. But yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like, you know, part of it was, you know, planned. But a lot of that was just doing it in the moment. Yeah, I was going to say, I was going to ask. And as soon as you 
brought up how the production went down. I'm like, well, I don't have to ask anymore. That was yeah. definitely Grilla. <laughs> so that's it. Yeah, that was really cool. But it's just the whole point of her going into you know what? Take him out. Surprisingly, there was a lot of good costumes mm. out and about. I agree, man. They did a really good job. Did a slam up job. <laughs> yeah, whatever town they were walking through, the residents that year. We're dressed so, nice. Some of it was filmed in London. Some of it was filmed in Cardiff Wells. Okay. In Pembrokeshire, which I think it was where the cliffs were at. So somewhere in that in that midst. They were looking good that night. I agree. Regardless, yeah. No, they looked good. People were like, oh, shit, okay, shit. Mm-hmm. And they did it up. That's fun. There was man. only the one group that was obviously just out partying. Yeah, that's... Uh, <laughs> you're going to get that. fair. Yeah, it's like... Everyone I mean, it's else Halloween. was dressed. Good yeah. costumes. I'm, I was impressed. It looked good. It did. Anyway, yeah, no, she uh, she eventually makes it up to Tom's apartment where he's having a Halloween party, and she notices that his wife partner or whatever is pregnant, and she has that struggle where like this right. wasn't the plan. Like I I can't leave. I can't do to her what got done to me. Yes, and so she's having like you know this quandary, and at the same time, right as she's trying to like gather herself, her water broke. So, you know, she's she's on the verge of having her, her baby. And yes. so, long story short, right, she gets back into the room with Tom by himself. And he's like, yeah, I thought I recognized you. They have that little exchange. And he kind of talks her down. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't mean like down on her, but like talks her down, like letting her know, you know this, is, this is all I could do. We had to do it. We, you know, collectively as a group came to the decision and then he he drops a little nugget in that conversation. We're like, yeah, he he also mentioned that you guys were talking about breaking up or whatever. He was like thinking about mm-hmm. leaving you essentially. Yeah, and you're like, oh shit, because that's when she drops her knife. And you're like, oh, now we're learning a little bit more. Is that also when we find out that she find found out she was pregnant the day he died? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like I said, there's a little details we didn't get at the beginning, mm-hmm. right? And you're like, oh, this, yeah, you can see why she broke. You know, I'm not saying that's the exact moment, but you could see what led to it, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so she goes into emergency C-section. You get this little quick edit, and you see her going into, um, you know, like I said, the uh, emergency C-section. Oh, I forgot section. all about that when I was thinking about the gore aspect. That was pretty good, too. Yeah, no, they did a good job, right? And then you see her at the hospital with baby, and the midwife, and they're you know talking and having their exchange and all that good stuff. And this and certain- know, looking back, we skipped over a lot of the midwife scenes, and I do feel like they're all pretty important, but I feel like they're also all pretty straightforward. No, they really are. And if you listen to what the midwife says, she's she's basically telling little bits of what the story's either happening in this moment or kind of leading you know into future moments like foreshadowing stuff mm-hmm. but what she says in this exchange pretty much sums in my opinion it sums up what she's been going through and what this film's kind of entailing in a sense is she was talking about the fact she's like you know I didn't plan on having the baby like this you know she's like you know in these emergency s- situations she's like it's a matter of life and death sometimes you have to cut the cord <laughs> you're like <laughs> dun 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 yeah, so it's like, yeah. I mean, those little bits kind of play themselves out in this film anyway. You can even see, like, the the birth. Like, at a point, you have to cut the baby's umbilical cord to separate, mm-hmm. you know, the mother from the child and stuff. And in this case, even though it was his death, and it, it, metaphorically speaking, that was how they were maybe cutting the relationship or, like, she needs to cut that part of her life out. Mm-hmm. Even though it's a part of her, it's the past, she can't change it, that kind of shit, you know. So it makes sense in a way. But uh, this is where I thought was also really cool because I was like, oh, man, I hope this movie doesn't end the way that they're doing it right now. It's like I get it if they do. But then it goes on just that minute longer, right? Yeah, because you're like, oh, okay, there's Matt. Of course it is. A little is. over an actual minute, but you know what But, I mean. yeah, the whole point is – yeah, she's going back to the site, and it seems like she's paying tribute and, you know, her res- paying respects. And it's touching music, and then you see Matt, and then... It's Tom. It's Tom. You're like, okay, they've probably made amends or they're at peace with each other. Or that to- we're about to do. Right. 
And no, she goes back into, which I thought was another neat little thing is from the film that she was mm-hmm. watching like that. She does it a few times in the film. Yeah, she does. Which I was like, okay, like if that's not an indicator. It was her. Yeah, and I was like, oh, that's good. Because it was like, oh, she came to realization. Because she even spells it out. So like, the baby's not talking to me anymore. It's like, yeah, it was you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, what does that tell you? Uh, yeah, and I was like, ah. Oh. But yeah, so so with that being said, the second time through, I think I liked it more. Not like, oh, this is such a good. It's just like I, I knowing like all the stuff we talked about. It's like, oh, yeah, it makes a lot more sense. And I can appreciate it a little bit more than my first time through. I really like this movie. I just don't understand all the high praise because it's yeah, not I'm that kinda, I'm kind of the same. And I'm, I'm wondering, too. I don't think it is, but I was like, I wonder, too, how much of it is, like, the American. And it's <laughs> like, maybe I just don't culturally, like, how maybe how British it is. But I was like, I don't think so. Because it's like, it's not really that hard to read into. Right. Especially, Once again, not that it's bad. No. Just, Okay, and it's also not nearly along the same lines as Bone Tomahawk. No, I agree that's with a, that. That's a far wider riff for me. I totally agree with you there, dude. Like, that's a whole different story. It's but, just that, from what I saw, I wouldn't shower it in as much glorious praise as I've seen. Is it still a solid B, B plus? Yes. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's just that most of the praise uh, is like A to A plus. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah and I, I, no, I... That would be such a hard sell right now after mm-hmm. just what, movie going and reviewing. It's like, nah, I, I can't do that. No matter how much I might have liked it, I, I can't do that. But it, it's funny in a sense because I was thinking going into this on a scale of 1 to 10, how would I rank it? And, and I thought somewhere between like a 6 and a 7. Yeah. Somewhere in that range. Funny. And that doesn't mean, yeah, it's like that's, to me, it's like that's a pretty good film. Yeah. Not everything can be a 10. No, of course not. And I... In most cases, to be fair, there's a lot of six and seven films where I would much rather watch than a lot of like films that you could consider eights, nines, and tens, but because of the content, I might not want to revisit those. Right. Or you have to be more involved with it. Yeah, it a lot takes of those a lot of focus. six and sevens you can just throw on and have a good time with. Right. And that's what I'm getting at. It's like they're just as important and as fun as any of the upper echelon films you're going to come across. They just serve a different purpose. Agreed. And once again, to think that this is her debut as a director coming off a shoot that she did in five days on another film because she's like, that gave her enough courage, if you will, to like, hey, I know I can do this. It's is doable, you know, with the budget and the timing, et cetera, et cetera. And it worked out like it, it did. And she even got to feature her baby. So there you go. It was like 10 days after the birthing was when. Mm-hmm. Her her baby featured, so that's kind of cool, if nothing else. So, yeah, not a bad film, but it was still a good watch. Once again, we got it off our list, if nothing else. I'm glad to do it's that. It's kind of a neat way to end cap a little bit of a run because, well, not necessarily end cap, but lean into the end cap. It, they've all been versions of female revenge movies. Yes, which, <laughs> which yeah, it does fit the bill. Yes. Yeah. Once again, versions of, because the first one, yeah. it's not the female getting the revenge. Well, the mom. But mom, you know but I mean. yes, 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 yes. But you're right. It, there's a difference there. Mm-hmm. Then we got into uh, I Spit on Your Grave, which 100% female revenge story. Yes. This, once again, is female revenge, just with a dark twist to it, dark comedy twist to it, mm-hmm. slasher's twist to it. Uh, they even claim that this is the first pregnant slasher comedy horror movie. I mean, yeah. It's like, I can't think of another one. Of, of, when you get that specific, of course you are. <laughs> so good on them. And yeah, I mean, without repeating myself, yeah, it's not bad. I mean, the score was done pretty well, too. Yeah, I can say I that much. Cinematography, like say, execution-wise, yeah, it's, it was a good job, man. Mm-hmm. Technically-wise, yeah, can't knock it. It doesn't look uh, like a lot of money was spent on no. it, but it looks like more money was spent on it than what was actually spent. Yeah, I would agree with that as well. And that says something about the, the people that were involved in the project. Mm-hmm. They knew what they were doing, so there you go. Um, I mean, I'd overall recommend it. I probably Whoever I recommended it to, I probably would give the caveat of like, look, it's not the greatest. 
But yeah, but you might enjoy it because you might good. have seen this person or the same reason why we do that middle section. It's like you've probably seen some of these people in other roles and you might like them in this. Yeah. You know? Uh, especially because almost all of them give great performances. I would agree. All right. We already said it a couple <laughs> times now. Next week, patrons, y'all are going to get martyrs. I know. You're going to get martyred next week. And it's going to be fun. Yeah, I agree. I'm looking forward to it. Man, what a little history we now have with it too. It's really Jeez. cool. It this is a spoiler because some of you know some of our listeners are not. We're be, still sorry, Quincy and Haley. I know. I was gonna say some of our listeners might not hear the Patreon episode, and that's okay. But the thing I'll say is, is like for me at least, and this is a little bit of spoiler going into next week, is to think that I found this film at a grocery store in the little video rental section. That still kind of blows my mind because now here we are. That's wild. Still talking about it. <laughs> So yeah, that's it's cool. For this week, I'm Tyler. I'm Danny. Fried Squirms, out. Hi everybody, Tyler here. If you like the podcast, please hit subscribe however you're listening to us right now. Also, if you could rate and review us however you're listening to us, or preferably over on Apple Podcasts, that'd be super cool as the entire world is ran on algorithms and we want to be all up in them. Uh, we highly appreciate it whenever you tell all your friends about us. If you have any suggestions, comments questions want us to put eyes on your current independent horror project you can always contact us squirmcast at gmail.com or you can contact us through our website www.friedsquirms.com uh, scroll through our entire back catalog there or click the links up at the top as we are part of the earverm podcast network uh, and would love it if you went and checked out some of our sister shows. Uh, the easiest way to keep track of things across the entire network is to go over to that website. That's earverm.com, E-A-R-V-V-Y-R-M.com. Uh, you can search for us across all the social medias. If you type in Fried Squirms, we should be what pops up. I'm not going to give you all those ads. So with all of that in mind, we'd love to hear from you. Until next time, peace.